The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. What is good, everybody? It's Sunday, and you know what we do on Sundays. We recap what happened on Saturday and everything else here on the Sooner or Later Sports Show. I am your host, Jay. Thank y'all for pulling up here on the YouTube channel as well as listening wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to while you're here. Please like, subscribe, rate, review. Give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it? Give us five anyway. we gifted. So on today's episode of the Sooner or Later Sports Show with myself and Coop, y'all know what it is. The Sooners are 4-0. So we're going to talk about that, how the Cincinnati game really impacts us going forward. We're going to dive into this defense because we all need to know this one question. Is everything real? And we'll wrap things up and talk about Iowa State because it's going to be a big weekend of visitors as Twitter has been blowing up with all kinds of names and such. So let's dive into Hey, make sure you check out the Discord. We're in there hanging out, just chopping it up about um, – ball sooner football life all of that stuff so love to have you in there you can see what i have right here in front of me so check it out but cool how you feeling my man man it's good um you know that's a that's there's a lot of ptsd that is slowly starting to come into <laughs> doubt slowly starting to come into doubt now and uh hopefully we can, uh, everybody's starting to kind of loosen the grip and we'll talk about it a little bit more, but, uh, yeah, feeling great. Yeah, it's feeling good, man. You know, it's, 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 it feels good to be four and oh, and that's really the way I wanted to open things. I see everybody on there hopping the comments. I see a lot of four and oh feels amazing. James, you are 100% quick. Correct. One of these days I'm gonna wear a shirt that's wearing a shirt. You know what? That's a nice shirt design. Let me, let me work on that. I'm gonna work on that. Uh, Steven, what's good? We are definitely 4-0. Feels great. Eric, what's up, man? Hey, I got to make mention of this. Eric, one of our loyal, loyal members and viewers, has hooked us up with two tickets to the Iowa State game. They include parking as well as access to the uh, champion tailgate. We're going to be giving those away. Not on this show, but this week. So I'm going to put a post in the community first thing in the morning. And from there, you'll have the opportunity to win two tickets to the game. And they're very good seats, too. I went and looked at them. I was like, wow, those are really good seats. So keep your eyes out for that, Eric. Thank you so much for that. Mars, what it do? Thanks for pulling up. Hank, yeah, 5-0. 4-0 is like the best feeling in the world. And I really am glad to hear that my logo makes you want bacon. Um yeah, bacon, James. You want bacon. What's going on, Kim? I wanted to do some initial intros. Seth, what's up? What's up? What's up? Uh, Lloyd, I have no clue what they said. If you want to drop it in the comments, I will gladly like to hear about that. I want to talk about that. We'll talk about it if you just drop it, because I didn't even hear what Brandon said, because I know he was hating, because I, I they, they hate over there at the Necessary Roughness podcast at Barstool. They hate a lot. And Seth, um, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk about that as well. So, Coop, we're going to start off with the simpleness of everything today. I want to talk about, first and foremost, the offense. We beat Cincinnati. What was that score? 20 to 6. Should have been more. I will definitely give you all that. But 20 to 6 is a game that, one, we would have probably lost last year. Two, 
probably would have lost two years ago. Three is better at covering the spread than it being 34 to 21. So, Coop, talk to me. How would you feel about the offense's performance in this game? Um, you know, we, we've, we've, first of all, I'll say that this is the, this is the intro level of complimentary football. Um, a lot of people who were going to town on, um, on Dylan, you know, early in the game, um, I don't know if it was fully warranted. He did look like he had a little bit of the yips, um, early in the game, but, there's some dysfunction on the offense that is 100% just a – I think that a lot of it has to do with the lack of uh, continuity on, across the offensive line. Um, the team position that I think that we all felt the greatest about after the, the Cheez-It Bowl, which I'm really excited to never have to say the Cheez-It Bowl ever again. So I really hope. let's go ahead and you know do something really nice this year. Real nice. Um, but after the cheese at bowl, I'm starting to wonder, you know, we got a, we got a really, really good look at Marcus major against Florida a few years back and everybody thought, all right, next year, he's going to be it. Last year we saw Javante and Sawchuck just go crazy against Florida state. And we thought, all right, the running back room is probably going to be the strength of our, of our team. And I just think that, um, those guys have a lot of vision issues and when you have, <laughs> an offensive line that is doing a dozen different concepts and you're cycling guys in and out and in and out. And, you know, given guys, uh, you know, Marcus major had a little bit more of a dominant run this week, but I, I'll, I'll wrap, wrap the thought with this is I, I think that that's hard. There are so many times Marcus majors, two longest runs of the season have both been called back for penalties inconsequential penalties that I don't know really, really help the help the play. But, um, you know, without that offensive running game, I said you get to 125 yards rushing, and I think that you feel pretty good about your output. Um, you know, obviously we we uh, were right underneath that, so I think that we ran with efficiency. We um, this offense, when it's just left to its own devices, you know, it, it does. It looks a little dysfunctional, but. Last year, we lose this game by, by, by a decent amount, I believe. I, I, yeah. I believe that defense gets gassed pretty early, and you see a, um, you see a run by uh, Cincinnati. Um, you see just so many things on, on a week-to-week -week basis out of the offense that you're, you're wondering, why, you know, like when are we going to see this thing just open up against somebody who is not an absolute just cupcake? And um, for that defensive line... Um, you know, they were they were taking it to our offensive line every single play, every single down. And um, when it meant the most, our offense turned around and put drives together. So my sunshine and rainbows saying is Marcus Major misses a wide open touchdown run on the first drive of the game. He makes the wrong cut, runs right into somebody. Yep. Next play where Dylan Gabriel fumbles, Marcus Major um, I don't know if he had points on the game. You know, we are playing Iowa State this week, but he ran um, right up to a blocker and just just whiffed him. So he's the one who hits Dylan Gabriel and stacks him up at the line. If Marcus Major just stands in front of him, it's a touchdown. So I think that between the two touchdowns and a couple penalties and a couple air balls, you know, this game looks more forty to six. 
And so, yeah. but again, you, you relieve you, you, the offense played as something complimentary. They needed a score. They go get a score. When it really, really came down, you saw it against SMU too. When it got, you know, 11, 14, they roll down and they, they score. So you're starting to see that. Do we want to see 50 points thrown up against absolutely everybody? Hell yes. But I promise you, I line up everybody on this chat. I line up everybody watching on Saturdays at the beginning of the year. And I say through four games, we're going to have us a shutout. We're going to have some stuff that I'm going to talk about here in a few minutes. And the offense is going to look like X, Y, Z. And our defense is legit. And every single person says, let's do it. Let's do it right now. But we want, we want the Tulsa game every single game. Or we want that Arkansas State game every single game. So yep. guys that really, really just punched out to me is obviously um, Nick Anderson is a weapon. Um, and he is going to continue to be a weapon. We need to feed him the ball more often. Uh, Andrew Anthony, um, I promise you, there's a lot of people in Ann Arbor going, what the hell? Like, seriously, what? Like, when Ohio State lost Jamison Williams to Alabama, a lot of them, you know, at least they had other receivers that were, you know, Blitnikoff-level guys on the team. But, um, you know, our wide receiver group is legit. Uh, Jaden Gibson, you saw another, you know, pretty decent catch out of him. Um, you saw Andrew Anthony. You saw you know them try to get Farouk a little bit more in touch. I just I just really feel like it, that offense. If this is our if this is our worst case scenario on offense, you know it's it's an offense that doesn't kill itself. It isn't on the field off the field in thirty seconds. Um, you know right back with the defense. They they need to clean stuff up and, and it's a work in progress. And usually. You know, four or five games in the season is when you start seeing that offensive line finally kind of realize who they were. But, again, don't forget, these are two NFL defensive tackles and a pretty salty six deep on Cincinnati. Uh, we talked about it in the front. We talked about it, you know, in, in the preview. So, we, you know, I'm happy. I, I, I am happy. I'm not going to allow my – I want to see 85 points on the board. I'm not going to allow that to take over. I'm going to take advantage and see, look at the stuff that went well and be happy about that. Woo, Coop, take a breath. You went 10 minutes, about, about eight minutes straight. You you went off. <laughs> no, and and you you were spot on with everything, man. I mean, the biggest thing to take away from me from this game offensively is, as everybody's mentioned, we've seen this here in the chat nonstop. What are we doing with the running back room? So I'm going to start with the nitpicky stuff for myself before I actually get into the praise. One nitpicky thing is the run game. We're alternating – and Levy said this. He's doing Major and Tywee Walker one week, Salchuk and Barnes another. Now, I ask, just like y'all, I ask the question, why are we doing that? Like, what is the reasoning behind that? What is the strategy? Now, I ask that because the assumption I have is that we're still working Barnes and Salchuk back into the game because they're coming off injuries. Now, a lot of you mentioned this against Tulsa. Salchuk didn't look right on his cuts. He just looked like he was hesitant. So the question is, is that hammy really bothering him? And are they seeing this in practice? That's the thing I want to know the answer to. I have not been able to. No one's given us an answer on that yet. But his hesitancy in Tulsa makes me say, I wonder what he looks like in practice. And if he looks like that in practice, then granted, there's a very good chance that that's why Levy's doing it. But what sucks is he technically can't tell us 
or give us the actual answer because yeah. all that does is give fuel to the competition. You see what I'm saying? So it makes it one of those situations where it's kind of a catch-22 of what the bleep are you doing, Lebby? And at the same time of, okay, do we have some injuries with them that we can't disclose yet? Because And then we go into Major and Tywee Walker, who, when Major was able to cut up the field and they went to gap schemes instead of those inside constant zones, we looked solid. But this is something that jumped out to me, too. Soon as Marcus Major made those deep runs, what did y'all notice? What happened right afterwards? Coop, I know you know what happened. Tell the people, what happened after Major made his big runs? After Major makes the big runs, he comes back and what I mean, see, yeah, there's there's, there's a flag on the play every time. Yeah, it happened, uh, it happened against SMU. Uh, I think it was a 27, 28 yard run. And he gets, you know, has to come back today or this, yesterday. Same situation. The penalty flag comes up, and you know, he 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 finally breaks it, and it's that's tough. That's frustrating. It it is the game, especially when uh, holds don't get called on us. Exactly, and I'm I'm mentioning this in the morning after I opened with it. We're we're competing against two entities every week when we play. Yeah. Those two entities are competition in front of us and the refs because everybody's noticed they got called for two penalties for 20 yards in that game two penalties defensive side stuff that you had to call things that were caught mm -hmm. dylan gabriel had a probably solid touchdown pass to jaleel farouk when he was being pressured and he got pushed in the back before he even jumped yeah and they didn't even call a thing so there's some grace that I give to our offense because we're not getting penalties called for us unless they're like, for example, out of the two penalties we had, we had the unnecessary roughness call, which is, if I'm correct, 15 yards. And then should like have been targeting should have been, but they didn't call it. Whatever. They don't they don't ever want to give us that kind of love. Um, and I can't even remember what the second penalty was, but it was a five yarder. So, yeah, we didn't get anything on our side but it was eight for 53 on our side which those holdings guidance and that that troy everett one where major ran up the side and yeah that was an absurd call i, I watched it three times and literally the dude just collapsed and troy just made sure he went to the ground it's basically a pancake and they didn't give us any of that love so besides that yeah there's some things that we need to work on with the run game itself. We need to make some decisions, some hard decisions and figure out how to get the right players involved. But I'm gonna move on from the running backs because that is a sore subject for everybody. That's one nitpicky thing for me. Offensive line wise. We had moments where we looked really good. We had moment first quarter. We did not look too good on the line to me. Am I, am I off base? Did you see anything with the line? I think Troy Everett kind of struggled this game. Yeah, and I mean, he, he pretty much is what he is. I mean, I think that he has kind of like a Matoire, uh, Matoyer or whatever, however you want to say his name. You Matower. Know, kind of that deal to where yeah. he's got a massive, um, you know, uh, a massive opportunity, but I don't think the opportunity to get better is is um, is there past, you know, like a Matoyer. Um And so, uh, but early in the game, there were a lot of uh, times that, you know, the 
offensive line is going to be um, much better if they can keep their pad level low. And that's if you're watching and you watch, even, even when they're not giving up the pressure, instead of driving guys off the ball, they're getting stood up and it, it's kind of a stalemate. Yeah. Um, and you, you, you see when you get low pressure, you force, you can force the, or when you get your pads low, you can force uh, direction. And um, when you can force that direction, you can do what uh, they did to us on several situations to where we opened up a pocket for Emory Jones kind of to squirt out. So um, that's, that's what we need is you need the offensive line. Now, did they get absolutely manhandled? No. I mean, if, if Dylan Gabriel was getting sacked, you know, every two drives, that would be something else. But they're just not – I mean, they're doing good on pass blocking, and it's the run blocking. They, they've still got to do a lot more with technique. And if you listen to a lot of people who know the offensive line, they're talking about technique, 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 and it's the yeah. footwork, and it's trusting your feet. And these guys are just having issues trusting their feet. Um, so I'm starting to wonder, there's not a lot of backups. So like where you saw Gabriel – yeah, uh, I, I, I'm I'm with you on that one too, Neo. I think that was Neo. Uh, what was was yep. it the? Uh, uh, the, the just just run past one accident where he, where, he, where he starts like throwing the ball and hitting him in the junk. Um, you know, like we need to do something like that. Somebody just take take dude out, didn't we? Was it was it though you game or was it another game to where the ref got just absolutely drilled right up the middle on a run and was like bleeding and had to come off the field. But um, yeah, it's it's yeah, just drill them. But uh, right, the offensive line they didn't fail. Did they impress? No, but they didn't fail. Yeah, overall, but I, I don't think it was a bad. And and this is the this is why I give grace to the um, to the offensive line in this game. The bigger thing is twofold. One, this is probably going to be the best defensive line we'll see this season. Dante Corleone, the Don, a.k.a. the Godfather, the defensive lineman, number two, the dude that was terrorizing in the backfield with tackles for loss and everything, he's a real dude. He's really good. Um, And he's one of those players that is expected to play on Sundays. And then you got Juwan Briggs. the the, Well, he's kind of like the – because Corleone's the nose – and he's the three technique or the other defensive tackle. Or, and he goes into edge. He has the ability to play edge as well. Juwan's basically a hybrid. He's really good. They are, and Joe Claddy said this on the broadcast, this is probably the best defensive line we're going to see. Probably the best defensive line combo in the country. They're good. They're really good. And we did a good job of keeping them from destroying us the entire game. Because when I went and looked at their tackle numbers, they got two sacks in this game. One was on that all-out blitz that came out of nowhere. We weren't prepared for it. And then Corleone got himself a tackle, got him a sack. And then we got two uh, – they got, like, two tackles for the loss in this game. So, overall, I don't think it was a bad setup. I don't think it was a bad game for us. Let me pull up these stats for everybody to see. This wasn't that bad. So, the line did as good as you would ex- – you could – want against a really good defensive line now the six tackles for a loss kind of was a little bothersome but that was a combination also of those swing passes and stuff that we were doing probably shouldn't have been doing let's move on into the wide receiver room Jalil Farouk had two pass interferences that he didn't get he got um yeah he 
we have a lot of mouths to feed at the wide receiver room. Actually, we have a lot of mouths to feed on the offense in general when it comes mm-hmm. to four running backs we're rotating, and then I guess you could say five to six wide receivers that we're potentially rotating. We've got a lot of mouths to feed. And to me, and this also includes Dylan Gabriel, I think he's doing as good a job as you would want from a quarterback that isn't a world beater to feed everybody. He was 26 for 38, 68.7%, 322, eight and a half yards of play and a touchdown. He actually had a nice game. He had a game that made me say, I know what I need you to do to be better, but I think you did well enough for me to not lose my mind. The out of the three, there was three passes, four passes that were quote unquote overthrown. You got the Farouk pass in the end zone that was pass interference. We didn't get that. You've got the other Farouk pass where Farouk was up, was gone, but he missed Farouk deep. And someone jumped in the Discord and mentioned that, hey, yeah, that pass. Looked like he really overthrew him. I was there at the game to tell that Farouk on that one. Up on that one because it's over immediately. Lines meaning that you could, he was exhausted, tired. And the Smith in the end zone overthrow, but that down. So I thought he was throwing the that fourth one was the one he should have got. Gibson in the corner was on him. If he gets it in that corner, that's you got to hit the ball, hit him in the face mask with it. I'm okay overall, but I want to see him do better. Yeah, Jay, your your connection is really really bad. You, you're you're kind of coming in and out. I don't know. My if, bad. Uh... It's cock giving me crap the last few days. Sound better now? A little bit better, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's basic. But Gabriel should I do better on those walk on to let's put it that way. Am I off? No, uh, I mean. So no one has allowed, I mean, they, Cincinnati up to this point hasn't allowed a 300-yard passer. Um, this is their first one. They, they had last week the guy, you know, in the game that they lost, uh, he had 260 or something like that. They had 100-something both the previous games. So Cincinnati has a, a, a pretty good pedigree on defense. Uh, Dylan Gabriel straight up missed some guys. That, that, that's, that, that, that is true. And I had some people, you know, hitting me up and saying, you know, this is it. Let's go. Let's 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 pull him. We need to get um, we need to get Jackson Arnold in there. This is just this is getting bad. And that was after you know he fumbled the ball. And I I just I you know I disagree. Dylan Gabriel again still has the statistics that match up with a lot of people in in college football. They, he just does. And and if you. If you want Dylan Gabriel to have five or six touchdowns every single game, it's not going to happen, especially when we got so many different things happening. Um, it, they're just they're just everywhere. Um, so my my hope here is, 
you know, Dylan, like I said, you, 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 you switcheroo a few play. We're talking about this after a win, hundred uh, percent. This is a win. And uh, so after, um, you know, after, if you give one of those pass interference, I, you know, Andrew Anthony helped him out quite a bit on the one where he got absolutely mugged and that didn't get called. And um, so, I mean, you give him one of those and, you know, he, he did airmail a few passes. That's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. No quarterback um, is going to hit absolute every single pass. And we got kind of too used to that. So, uh, you know, again, I, if I had to give Dylan Gabriel, uh, you know, a score of the game, I'll say a B. Like he had, he had things out there for an A and it was not, um, it, it was not bad. Um, the wide receivers, again, when you have, let's say, let's go say, you know, Fruit doesn't get absolutely mugged. Um, Drake had a drop. I think that Gabriel, uh, or, uh, Freeman had, a, had a situation where he didn't, you know, have a great play and, you know, there's, it, it is what it is. Um, right. Dylan Gabriel did good and he didn't fold. He stuck into it. And in the fourth quarter where he has absolutely, kind of folded up like a lawn chair again he made the plays that he needed he went down he put the you know he, he got us a last and last second field goal and uh you know maybe if we have better punting too we have shorter fields too i mean he he we played some pretty crap uh field position in that first quarter and yeah. it was it was it was good um and again i, I see thunder there uh, there were a couple times that dylan was backed up early right in the student section I mean, it, you saw a lot of, um, you know, uh, issues with communication. So again, I'll give them a B and, uh, this yeah. is, this is going to continue to be because outside of, uh, Drake and a little bit of Gavin Freeman, cause I'm not, I know he didn't throw a lot to Gavin Freeman last year. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot of chemistry between these guys and, right, right. and so you're starting to see it kind of play out. He's learning to trust. Uh, Nick, he's learning to trust uh, Jaden Gibson. Um, he's, you know, Andrell has cemented himself as the number one wide receiver on this team. I'm with you on that one, and I'm excited. I'm excited about what Andrell Anthony's doing, and I'm also glad that Andrell Anthony came here because yeah. he is showing us that he was a gem. He was a diamond in the rough. He was a player that Michigan still wanted to keep, and, but he's still. Oh my goodness, he was such, such. Such a good pickup. All right, we got to talk about this defense, right? So we already went like almost 30 minutes on just the offense, and thank y'all for pulling up. Hit the like button if you're new to the channel. Subscribe. Make sure you wipe your feet before you walk into here and start dropping comments. We appreciate all the love. I'm sorry for my internet being uh, wild and crazy, folks. It just hates me. Only when I'm on here have I had problems. I've been doing great all day. So I want to talk about this defense though. I think they deserve the team itself overall deserves some praise. Um, and let's look at this defense, right? So Cincinnati defensive efficiency, three for 15, fourth down one of four. We did give up 376 yards. And I believe about a hundred of those is at the end of the game. So all I know is, if we could have finished this game at under 300, everybody would have lost their mind. But we 100% gave them basically, you know, garbage time yards as we were basically closing it out. The play of the game for me was Key Lawrence. I mentioned this in the morning after, but I watched it again. I watched it like four times. And what I noticed was, was when that play was called in the end, in the, close to the red zone, like 24. Key 
looked over at, I think it was BV, somebody on the sideline. He said something to Woody. Woody turned his body and went to the inside shoulder. And as soon as he did that, he followed him, and Key just backpedaled because, at, into the tub or two, and he knew what was coming. In. And as soon as he did that, he jumped. Boom. Yep. Interception. That, my friends, is how you know they watch film. They're paying attention to what's going on because it was they immediately read it. And I love that. That's what we need. And there was a question here. Neil, I saw it earlier. I've been looking. All I know is Canik came back. He was he checked out the hospital. He came back. But I haven't seen a single thing credible from an insider, coaches, or anything telling us about Canik. The only thing I have heard is there's potential he'll play next week. But that's it. Have you seen anything, Coop? We'll, we'll a- answer that question real quick first. Yeah, you know, I, I heard something, uh, an injury that not very many people have experienced, and that was the lacerated liver. If that's the, ca- if that's the case, we may not see Canik for a few weeks. Um, because uh, I, uh, so when I was uh, in my second tour of OU, uh, right after uh, church one week, we were playing Ultimate Frisbee in the, in the North Oval, and um, I got hit by a, a fellow who is about my size now, and I was probably pushing 180, and um, it broke my rib, lacerated my liver, and I was unable to go to football games for six weeks due to oh. um, you've got a sack around your liver that protects you, and if if um, the that sack gets bursted or whatever, the, the chemicals, uh, the bile and everything from your liver can get into your system. And it, it's not a good deal. And so um, if that's the case, then, you know, I, and again, I didn't have, you know, they didn't, the, the, the athletic personnel didn't come out and treat me. Uh, I went to Norman Regional and got sent over to OU Madden, Oklahoma City. So if, but if that's, with all that being said, you know, he, he uh, got some trash talk on him, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Cause I, you know, if, if Kip Lewis has to play against Iowa State, that's fine. That's fine. And we get to see another, you know, he's undersized, but it is, uh, Kip Lewis has earned the right to uh, give Kanek a, uh, um, you know, the, the day off. I, I will say, this was Kanek's best best game as an OU player. Yes. 100%. 100%. I agree. I agree. In watching him play, Kanek was everywhere that you wanted him to be in the first quarter. Q2 and 3, it felt seemed like fatigue started setting in, and then the injury happened. He got hit in the chest and probably broke rib or something. That's, so if we lost Canik for a few weeks, I'm not as concerned because of Kip as well as Kobe McKenzie, and I think they are ready to play as well. But the beauty about Canik is his speed, and he gets to those holes so fast. So if we see Kip, I'm, I won't complain because Kip can hit and he's really good. And we might even see a little bit of Lewis Carter. But outside of that, I'm not too concerned about that linebacker spot. But the linebackers, the secondary, the defensive line, everybody did really good on defense. We went out there and we held a team that averages 39 points per game to six points. Could have been nine if they made the other field goal. But we held them to six points we held them to under 10 points in this game this is the lowest output in the brent venables era as a defensive coordinator for oklahoma period 
This is the lowest of all years. There was a tweet that went out and it went through every single year in the top first four games of the season. Oklahoma's amount of points per game given, majority of them were Brent. Uh, thank you, Eric. We appreciate that. The defense was just chef's kiss. And on that list, it was all OU. It was all, it was, it was a lot of 2000s in there, 2004, seven. There was a whole bunch of mix. There was a 12 in there. All of the Bob Stoops, Brent Venables era defenses don't give up very many points at the beginning of the season. And this one is looking a lot like 2000. I'm just going to say that. So, Coop, we watch secondary. McCullough. McCullough. Bravo. Besides that one play that you let that tight end get you on, yeah, man, you you did some stuff. You look good. Yeah. What's up? Uh... <laughs> Before I hop into there, so some fun stats for you. So OU is currently tied for number two in points per game in the nation. So that would make them number one Big 12. Um, but points per, per game at a 8.5 points per game. Last year, after four games, we were 17.75. So that is, uh, you know, that is, we've cut it in half. Um You've got uh, total yards per game, and again, this is a stat that gets people jacked up sometimes, but the total yards per game, they're ranked 33rd. Um, yep. 61st in passing yards per game, 26th in uh, rushing yards per game. Um, the red zone and third, let's see here, was the third down conversion tied for 11th at 28% um, third, bound, third down, giving up third downs. Uh, we are... Pretty far down on uh, fourth down because we've uh, had ten, and Cincinnati having four this week was 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 pretty tough. But we've given four of ten first down, a uh, fourth downs. Um, so g- number eleven in the nation in tackle for losses at thirty three or eight point two per game. Whew. So this defense, the defense after Nebraska. You still were like, uh, you know, there was some stuff. Because, again, I always will see plays to where we didn't do good at defense, but we didn't get harmed. And right. you can see those quite a bit. And, you know, last year it, it really just seems – and last week against Texas uh, or Tulsa is when the team really has zero fear of your defense, they will just step up and do whatever. Tulsa didn't wasn't scared anymore because they had nothing to lose. They could just start throwing the ball up and then pray for the good stuff to happen. Um, Emory Jones is a dynamic athlete and outside of maybe about five runs, which, you know, weren't big runs or anything, this defense, um, just clamped them down, just absolutely clamped them down. And I believe that they had, I believe that they had 200 yard rushers last, last week. Um, but, uh, my, I mean, I'll just say this is my play of the game happened very, very, very early. And if in, in when I say it, you guys will all probably chime in and be like, yeah, 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 I remember that. But there was a play, and it was I think it was just a single back formation, and I think it was a third and third and three, and they handed it off. Running back had a full head of steam and met Mr. Stutzman. Stutzman not yep. only stopped him in his tracks but drove him backwards, and that has not happened in years on this defense because they're, I mean, usually you hit them and they fall forward for like six yards or five yards or something like that, but they don't ever get stopped right at point of contact. And that guy was stopped. And, uh, and so you just see it all over the place. Uh, you know, the, 
when the defensive line who is who has played good, and I know we'll get there, when the defensive line plays good, it frees up the linebackers to fit the gaps. And then I think there was another fourth down where Emory Jones took off and Stutzman stopped him. You know, uh, it was a three-yard, three, three yard, uh, fourth and three, and Stutz, I think it was the final one, and Stutzman stopped him too. So, like, these things are happening, and it's not like, oh, God, we, we got right. We, we did something correct. I mean, we are doing stuff correct all the time. Um, you saw a lot less of the zone coverage where guys were catching the ball with nobody around him. Uh, the defensive back, I mean, Woody is having himself a freaking quiet year because nobody wants to mess with him. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, it's funny. Uh, this comment makes me laugh because it makes me laugh when everybody says this. Um, this defense has played no one yet. We'll play Texas, and that'll be the only team that people consider as somebody. It doesn't matter. We'll play Iowa State. That's considered a nobody. After Texas, no matter how that result is, good or bad or indifferent, we ain't played nobody uh, besides them. You go – if we do well against them, people will say, oh, well, I mean, you know, it's Texas. Somebody say something crazy. Then you go down the list of all the other games on our schedule. We'll talk about UCF. Didn't UCF play anybody. UCF nobody. Kansas. Uh, Kansas will be Kansas might get some respect. Texas and Kansas probably the only two that's going to get respect this entire season. Yeah. Go look at these teams and who the first four we played, who they played, and the numbers they put up in those games, and then compare it to the numbers they put up against us. As much as you can, we would like to say that we played nobody. We played four games. Those four games happened. That's what's important: is that we performed in the four games that we were supposed to perform in. Frightening will say the same thing about Texas. Play four games. Perform the way you're supposed to in those four games. That's what's important. Because it's funny because a lot of people are trying to negate what Texas did against Bama because Bama's not any good. Everybody's talking bad about Bama and their passing situation, how terrible they are. And that's trying to negate what Texas did. And I'm just like, but they played Bama. Y'all gave Bama props before. Why are we negating it now? I give Texas props for doing what they did to Alabama because Alabama is still a buttoned-up team. They may not execute all the way, but they're still a buttoned-up team typically. Texas won. So, yeah. We're going to keep saying it. No matter, it's, it's, We're going to keep negating it no matter what. And I get you what you're saying. But, but that's the thing about it is that Emory Jones – we can compare him to we to like an Adrian Martinez. Emory is he doesn't run like Adrian does, but we didn't let him do what he normally does. We stopped him in every facet of the game that he normally performs at. That's that's the thing. That's what's important. We're doing the things that we should have done last year. It looks night and day. And so that's that's what I wanted to point out because I get you, Super. I get you. While at the same time. You can tell a night and day difference. The hardest thing is keeping it and staying consistent. You gotta say yeah. consistent. We gotta we gotta be consistent. And no, frightening. I I'm, I'm I'm with you. I've pumped the brakes on playoff talk. I just said that if we can stay consistent with that, that is a conversation we should legitimately have on both. So. That that's the thing is it it requires it requires getting you to ten and zero before you can truly start saying it. 
That's the most important piece. If either team can get to 10 and 0 or 9 and 1, then it's a legitimate conversation. But until then, it's a okay. Let's see if the potential can come out. So it's not more of a sun, it's not really sunshine pumping. It's more of a I'm taking a little hopium because I think that we could potentially get there. So anyway, since it's game to game, just like BV says, we're one and oh. That's all that matters. This week we are 0 and 0. We're getting ready for Saturday to get. Want to know again. That's something that's important. So this was interesting, though. Stats from my boy Popo. Shout out to Popo, part of the uh, evil empire. But thought you would like this. This is what the polls and stuff look like in, um, see if it gets bigger. There we go. This is what things look like in 2000 compared to this year. Week by week. Each week was almost the same, except for 9-3 and 9-5 on the dates. But we walked in at 20, walked in in 2019. We went from there. We're at 18th to 20 in 2000. The next week went from 18 to 19. We dropped for, like we always do, which is always weird. 9-17, same dates. Move up 17-16. 9-24, we're at 14 again. Coincidence? I think Not. I think this is fate and now we do this and we move up and win and we face texas we face texas as a top 10 matchup coop am i crazy it's you're gonna want i mean you listen espn the networks are that they're gonna want that to be a top 10 game and so they watch that ap after this week Especially, I mean, seeing what we know about Iowa State, you're going to see, you know, a, a, you know, 52, you know, seven game or something like 52, six or something like that this week. And then they're going to bump Oklahoma up. You're going to have some other people who are going to drop. So, yeah, if it's going to be a number four, Texas, 10, Oklahoma, that's 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 great for the ratings. Uh, And I love it, too, because, you know, it'll be on our network. So, Um, but, yeah, I I mean, I want to bring up the fact that, it, you know, it, we we have a schedule. Schedule week one, Arkansas State. Week two, SMU, Tulsa, Cincinnati. Your job is to go out to win those games. You play who's on your schedule. Um, you, you, you absolutely do. The difference between this year and last year also is when you give up that third and 19 scramble, which is crap. Um, they caught us three separate times that I saw. They just caught us with, I mean, the, the perfect play call. And that's not something that you know, too. There's some holding, too. But there, 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 was, there was some of those. But you give up that third and 19, and then you just watch the defense fall down. And then red zone is Cincinnati has had some issues with red zone. I mean, sorry, Oklahoma has had issues with red zone traditionally as far back as I can remember. When's the last time that somebody got inside the 35 and you're like, we're going to hold them here? Uh, you know, so the, you know, there's not that. And yeah, Neo, you're right. We were supposed to play Georgia this year. That didn't happen. So you play the folks that are on the schedule. Yep. Um, we've gone out and shut them down. And, and you can say at this point, we have shut every single person down. Uh, Tulsa scoring 17. Um, you know, once they came in, different quarterback, they got some momentum. And then there we go. Um, it, it got shut down to three points in the second half. So this defense has done its job. And against SMU in Cincinnati, when the offense was having trouble, 
this the defense didn't crumble. Uh, they kept going out. So again, it, it, it we understand. You know, going into last year, you look into the schedule and you're like, man, there's. Can you really say that OU is favored over any of these players, these teams up in front of us? Um, well, this year with the defense that is giving us opportunities. And again, if you say that the worst case scenario is that offense that we saw on Saturday, I like our chances. And yeah. for anybody in truth, I'm just pointing you out, brother. If, if, if you're looking at this defense and saying Texas is going to toss out 40 of them, you're not being honest with yourself because Texas is going to have some issues. They're going to have issues. Um, these receivers are good on Texas um, covering the linebacker, uh, covering the tight end is just Sanders is going to be a tough deal. It is. You're not going to have the windows open like you've had in the past. You've not going to have the windows open, um, you know, like you've had against a couple of these other teams and you're not going to have just, you know, the ball at, you know, I, I know in two different games, I've, you know, saw interceptions where Texas got the ball, you know, in, in plus pit territory with momentum and everything on their side. It's, it's going to be, this is going to be a game. And to, and if anybody, look at OU Texas. That yeah. game never shows out like you think it's going to show out. Nope, it never does. That game is one that's always a crapshoot. So I love the way that that has transitioned us into some um, a, a little dinkness or whatnot. But I am high on this defense. I'm going to continue to be high on it because we're doing what we're supposed to do. If we do this to Iowa State, and then Texas, which I'll be in Texas for that one. I'll be at the I'll be in Dallas for the yep. Red River this year. If we go into that one doing doing what we're supposed to do, I don't expect I expect that one the tech the Red River to be old school Red River. I, I expect it to be neither team goes over thirty. I don't think it's going to be new school what we're used to with the last regime where both teams were going like forty points a pop. Um, but it's still funny to me. Texas has never scored 50 points on Oklahoma ever. I don't Did y'all know that? Pull out the stats. I don't need to pull up the stats to figure out how many times we have since 2000. Right. They never scored 50 on us, which is awesome. That means that we've actually done something right in some capacity. But anyway, let's go over here to the, to the, to the question. So Lloyd asked earlier in the show, I want to get to at least this portion before we get to that. Cause we're going to talk recruits when we wrap things up and I'm going to tell y'all how y'all can win these Iowa state tickets. And if you're listening, you're not watching on YouTube, you need to go to the YouTube channel and go to the co the co the community tab, and you'll see instructions uh, first thing in the morning on how you can win those tickets. I plan on giving them away on Wednesday and having that out the door, and you'll have them in your account Wednesday to where you can plan and make sure you make it to the game. So, yeah. So the Nessie Ruffles folks said that we're no good, and Stephen adds more context to it that Brandon Walker said Oklahoma's just straight up no good, and the other three agreed. We're eight and four at best team, but the hardest schedule six and six. I don't listen to blowhards like that when it comes to this stuff, right? That that's just what they do. They're doing it because they know that Oklahoma fans will react. They know they will get additional clicks off of us. They know that OU fans do that. I'm telling you, they do it all the time. That's what they do. We could go almost undefeated this year or lose one game. We lose Texas only and make it through the rest of the conference. And guess what they'll say? Yeah, hey, that team's no good. I mean, they lost to Texas, so they suck. That's it. So that's my response is that's what they do. They know that Oklahoma, because Oklahoma has one of the largest followings on social media, and we're the most responsive. And so for me, 
They can have it. We'll leave that alone. You got any comments on that, Coop, before I move on to the next thing? And then also, if if we do get down towards November and it is an undefeated team, it works both ways. You're going to see people start praising Brent Venables for turning this around and taking an Oklahoma program that has been inept on the defensive side of the ball for a decade, and he has brought his flavor, and that's the only reason why OU is good is because of that. Uh, look at Clemson right now. And Clemson does not look good. They didn't look good last year. They didn't look good this year. Uh, they haven't looked good this year. And I don't care what happened this weekend. They just don't look good. And so you're, you've got um, Brent Venables. Obviously means a lot on the defensive side. But Clemson, just like OU had, Clemson had a little run of quarterbacks that helped out quite a bit. When you've got Deshaun Watson and then Trevor Lawrence you're going to have a really, really, really great opportunity to, um, uh, you know, to, to look good and your defense, you know, is good. You're going to eat. And that's why they won national champions, national yep. championships. But you look at the schedule and the eight and four, like I, I just, I mean, and I just go with Iowa State, UCF, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and BYU. I'm not going to, I mean, you still got to play those games, but those games are, those games look like they're in the bag. And so that leaves I say Kansas. This. I'll say this, West Virginia is is shockingly doing well this year. Yeah. They got to come to the crib though. Yes. And, Revenge. And and I promise you this is that's, that's a home game, um, you know, stuck after being on the road at Kansas, at Oklahoma State, home versus West Virginia, then at BYU. That game's going to be rocking. People are going to be turned up for that. And, it, you know, hopefully we'll get a little bit more of a, a late start. But if it is early, West Virginia's got to come over here and um, and do all that traveling for the early game. So, you know, uh, I'm not too worried about that. I mean, they, they do look better than we expected. Right now it looks like o- Okie State is probably going to be the worst team in the Big 12. Um, we'll I laugh at think, them a little bit later. I think that that is pretty much uh, locked tight right now at this point. But – Again, this team is led by defense, and there's playmakers everywhere. So if you if you want to say you know they've played nobody, and this is listen, you're doing it for clicks, and it's going to come back because people keep receipts too, and people are going to be keeping lots of receipts. Okay, then that's a very good point. Glad you point that out. And Mike, point this out to me. I want to answer this one real quick. Yes. We didn't make Emory Jones look like <laughs> we yeah. like uh, we make Emory look like United's like we did Adrian Martinez. We got a quarterback that likes to that that is used as a runner, and we kept him from running. That to me is a win. That's a huge win for what we were trying to do as a team. Fifteen. That's why I'm excited. Fifteen carries, forty-two yards. That's good. And one of them was a 20-yard run. <laughs> so right. uh, on that 20-yard run, so basically 14 carries, about a, about, about a yard per. Yeah, we, we put in work on it. So, so Lloyd, and you are 100%. Yes, Lloyd, I did see that video. We actually had that in the Discord we were talking about. It. And I saw some people join the Discord. Welcome to the family. We'll talk about that a little bit later, too. But, um, yeah, Stone is a three star in that guy's eye that is hilarious that he even 
we watched this man run 90 yards for a touchdown, and IMG plays the best teams in the country, and they travel. His team literally travels every week. Their home games are on the road. So, yeah, to think that he, he's been a five-star for like two years. Like, he's yeah. been the best player there at IMG for at least two years, and everybody believes it. So, yeah, I'm not questioning that whatsoever, that he is, yeah, weak. But, Hank, you make this great point. Texas is going to get it. So frightening. Yeah, truth, you know this. We, we are battling two people every time we play on the field. We're battling the opponent, your Mark's goons. Now, I'm curious to this. How are they going to handle Red River? Because it's going to be the most watched game in the Big 12 this year. I am truly curious about how they do it. Do does your mark hate Texas more or us? It's, That's what I'm I, curious to see. I just got to think that you know it, you heard the broadcast. I mean the, the 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 ref stuff. Typically, when people bring up refs, I just tell them, "Listen, can it? We, we don't need to because nothing can change. It's not like I mean it, it's it's like arguing with you, you know your parents when you're a little kid. It, it ain't gonna do anything. It's just gonna piss them off. But the stepped out of bounds, uh, the out of bounds catch was was ridiculous. The pass interference is not getting called were ridiculous. There was a there was a face mask that you know people called on in live, and you watch and you're like, oh, it wasn't much of a face mask, but it was a pa- face mask. And so it, it was just absolutely, it was just absolutely nuts. And, and I want to say that the other penalty that um, that uh, Cincinnati got was twelve men on the field. Oh yeah, that's what it was. That's, that's what it was. Yeah, that's and what it so, was. I mean, You're right. Kind of, and they they got away with one earlier in the game too. So, but that was a decline too. Yeah. We declined that one, so that one didn't count against them because we'd already made okay. that big run with Major. Yeah. So it's yeah again against Texas. My thoughts are: if anybody does anything that looks like horns down, they're getting flagged. If anybody does anything that looks like celebration, they're going to get flagged. They're going to take the joy out of this game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it'd be funny as hell because I'll be at the game. And I I think it'd be funny hell as as hell if, if, you know, uh, (laughs) uh, Sankey came to the game and everybody started chatting SEC. Uh, I hate SEC because SEC is being chanted by multiple teams around the SEC that have never done shit. And Georgia fans aren't chanting SEC. Alabama fans aren't chanting SEC. It's everybody who wants to get, you know, hey, we're part, to be of, a the part of the SEC. Yeah. yeah, Vanderbilt's yelling SEC at you or Mississippi State. Just shut up. That I mean, shut up. Um, so, <laughs> so I just think that they'll take the joy out of it, and they'll try to they'll try to establish that the refs are in charge of the game, and they'll they'll do the whole. You, we know you guys hate each other, and you got blah blah blah. It's 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 going to be silly. Yeah, it really is. I, and I'm, I'm just fascinated to see how that, how that goes down. All right, let's dive into some of the most important stuff that uh, people want to talk about is recruits. And so we've got a few minutes to wrap bad boy up. Lloyd pointed this out. Somebody else pointed this out as well. So I need to go find those additional um, comments in here. But there's, a, there, there, there's some secret stuff that's going on. And... In the Discord, we're talking about it. So yeah. what I'm seeing is I think uh, Daniel's coming in, uh, Akin Kumi. He, yeah. uh, the offensive lineman from London, he, did, he actually dropped a video today on his visit here, which I need to go watch it. I heard it was really cool. Uh, very interesting uh, vlog. But 
We'll have, I know Stone said that he's coming. I'm assuming he's going to bring Jaden Jackson with them, as well as one particular offensive lineman that he's been trying to talk into coming, which is Jordan Seaton. So, somebody posted actually in the Discord that, that they believe that he's going to be there as well, which is pretty dope. So, you got Seaton that's supposed to be pulling up. Um, what other players are we, are we, am I missing on? I think more offensive linemen are supposed to be in town. Yeah, I think that, and, you know, because he's right down the road, but Isosa is probably going to show up. Yep. Um, Scary's probably going to be there. Some, yeah, there's, you know, all the familiar guys from around the area are going to be there. Um, there is some whispers that some five-star wide receivers are going to be returning again on their own dime. Um Right now, there's just too much. You know, let's wait till you know our, our show on Wednesday to really level into that. You know, I try to usually sync up and, and get it from a question um, over at Sutra Scoop because you know that's that's one of the things that he tracks. But there is there there are a couple wide receivers that are currently either uh, trending or committed to somebody else that starting to hear some uh, some fun about. And so yep. if, if that if that looks and. There's certain defensive ends too that uh, are starting to <laughs> are starting to to, uh, to to have a whisper that them showing up too. So uh, it's a uh, it's fun right now because now people are wanting to see people are wanting to see the atmosphere, people are wanting to see what's going on around, and uh, it does not help that some of the young cats are are, are balling out. Yeah. Um... Of course, you know, I know that we're trying to get Bussy to pull back up, but the unfortunate thing with Bussy is is that his commitment is what Friday or Thursday? It's either the 28th or the 29th. So, yeah, I would like to take both Bussy as well as Westco. I don't know about Westco. That sounds like quote-unquote hopium, I'm going to be honest, because us getting Westco to show up means that he is definitely decommitting from Clemson. The yep. question's going to be, is he coming and then they're going to pull a scholarship? Is that something he's ready to do? Because, again, they have the same policies we have. So I'm curious to see if I've seen people posting about Westco, and I've actually seen it on Twitter earlier today. Um, that feels like we're just trying to – Make it come speak to existence. existence. Speak it. Yeah, you got the words. We're trying to speak it into existence. We're going to bring this into uh, existence by just talking it. So that'd be nice. Same thing with Sammy Brown. I, I, don't, I don't believe that a Sammy Brown or Brian Wesco, Brian Wesco is going to show up until I physically see them there. If everyone tells me that they're there and I see pictures, Different story, which I might actually, if my my son has a soccer tournament this coming weekend, if he doesn't have a game at 6 o'clock, if he doesn't have a late game, if it's just a morning game, which the way his tournaments have been, it's been a Friday night game, a Saturday morning game, and then a Sunday morning game. If he has a game Saturday morning, I'm going to come down there to Iowa State. I'm going to find me some tickets on Saturday. I think that's when we'll find out when the games are, and I'm going to come show up to that game myself. So I plan on being there. Um, but yeah, we don't know if they're if it's real, but I'll tell you, and that's the reason why we're having this conversation is Stoney is the expectation because he's already said he's coming back next weekend. 
which to me was the smartest thing for him to commit during the season or before his season really got going because now he can have unlimited official visits. Yeah. Which means that we he can have us pay for him to fly home every other weekend if he wants to to come back <laughs> and visit home. So his family didn't have to pay for anything. This is pre-NIL. Remember that. With OVs, yeah. we're paying for the trip. And for him, it's just flying back home to visit family. We can cover that because he's a commit. So that's a smart move. I said that before, that if Stoney planned on coming to Oklahoma, it makes sense to do it before, not to wait until signing day to do it, do it now, because then he can just get free trips home. And, of course, that makes his mom happy because she gets to see him on a regular basis. So, boom. That's a plus. Um, so, yeah, it's a 6 p.m. game. And depending on my son's soccer schedule, right. if we ain't got no game, we got no schedule, it's a night game. If, if his schedule permits, I'm going to be there for that game. I think I want to come down and just kind of stand around, at least in the area. Um, that's the good question, Lloyd. If he doesn't commit on the 28th, that does open the door. But actually, it, it also, that doesn't matter unless he commits yeah. to us. Well, actually, it doesn't matter. Let me repeat that. Let me, let me rephrase that completely. That doesn't matter. And I say that because with A&M, he can still go visit other teams. They don't care. But he only gets one OV to additional schools. Um, if he commits Oklahoma, then, of course, he can come because he, got, he can come to Oklahoma as many times as he wants. We just can't OV nowhere else. And so, yeah, that doesn't matter. That doesn't, actually doesn't matter at all. So whoever he commits to, whoop de doo If he does show up, oh, that would be so fire. But we have to, you know, like I said, it's hopium. Until I see him on campus, I don't believe it at all whatsoever. Last one. Yeah, and Sooner Cowboy, you're probably one of the more cautiously more pessimistic than I am. And that's a good statement that you made of, yeah, we play far better this this season. We, we start off, we're doing what we're supposed to do against teams we're supposed to do it to, which is the thing that I am happy for. Um, the, I'm trying to think, who else, Coop, do you know of that's supposed to be pulling up potentially? Uh, I, I mean, it's also based, Devon Mitchell is trying to make it into, um, you know, right after uh, Okoye um, committed, he says, what did he say? He said, you know, we're not done yet. They still have plans. They're still working defensive linemen. Um, the, uh, the power safety uh, Michigan State um, guy, I think that he's one that they're trying to get on, uh, get on campus pretty soon. Oh, he, yeah, Powers. Yeah. yeah. I know that we had just got – we had just gave him an offer, so that would be nice. Um, yeah. yeah, TJ, we actually talked about Canik. Only thing we know is that we – he got checked out and he returned with the team, but I haven't seen anything official anywhere about his condition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that one powers was the Michigan state commit that we are after. Are we still after Marsh? Cause I haven't seen much on him. Uh, Andrew, like the receiver out of Texas. Yeah. The, uh, Michigan state commit. Oh, um, I don't know about that. I know that Marsh. Uh, so, some of the things that the, that was being said was that they were going to be um, they were going to have two or three people from Michigan State uh, who would be joining him. So 
Uh, obviously, Ooh. Northwestern, we've already, you know, taken advantage of that, you know, with a backup quarterback option, competitive depth, take your drink, and not Randy Marsh. Um, pretty funny, though, James. Not Randy Marsh. Um, that's uh, the dad off South Park. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, um, you know, now make, making it on the uh, Michigan State stuff. And, and you guys, you, you said it right. Uh, somebody said it about Clemson's defense is – all around, this is the, the world we live in now, is you have to worry that when the relationships are not the total basis of, um, not the total basis of, of what you're doing recruiting-wise, the moment you start looking off, there you go. Um, it, you know, people are going to start looking around. And yep. some people, you know, we've, we've seen a few more decommitments. De uh, Georgia just lost a defensive back a few minutes ago. Um, let's see here. Um, I, I believe that somebody out of a California, one of the California schools lost somebody also too. It, it, people are going to, you know, start talking about stuff. And as teams start rising, uh, you know, this, this year is wide open. It, it, it really is. And I, you know, I think it was on hall of fame. I made a comment that you know, you're going to see a lot of movement when it, when you start doing flipness, um, you know, I'd probably say early November, you're going to start seeing some stuff pop back up. Um, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of high, uh, high ranked prospects that have committed and they want to make sure that they're going somewhere that's trending up. So, um, you know, the Peyton Pierce's, uh, Sammy Brown's, you know, we still need a legit linebacker. That's, you know, especially with Danny doing what he's doing. I mean, I would say this is it's not just my words, but Stutzman right now is probably the leader in the clubhouse for the, uh, for, for the butt kiss award. He is playing an absolute level that that we have not seen since Curtis Lofton, uh, maybe Kenneth Murray a little bit, um, but he is the leader of the team, leader of the defense, and um, if if that starts happening, you're going to get some of these linebackers who go, hold on a second, he was what did he look like when he showed up, and now he's doing this. So yeah, we're going to get we're going to get some of that action starting to happen here too, um, and. You're gonna start hearing people on our team start looking, um, looking at portals um, because I think that that's uh, that's the you know that's the world we live in. So right. we, uh, we we you know would I love to get a Sammy Brown? Hell yeah, I would. I mean that that's just you bring in some. I mean that's like kind of like bringing in um, you know uh, Jackson Arnold this past year. That's that is a leader of your defense that you can just build right around him. No, no, you're right. And there's, we, we've got a lot of players coming in that we can, we can build off of, which excites me more than anything coming up. And so, okay. Um, I think that's really it as far as players coming through in for, the, for a visit. I'm, I'm hoping that we get some surprises. Correction. I know we're going to have some surprises. I just don't know who they are because none of them has been confirmed, but I am seeing the West coast stuff all over Twitter. Now I'm seeing the, who is that bussy? I don't know what that looks like. I, I, I just, it's going to be a busy, busy weekend. So hopefully by the end of this week, we'll have a video. Maybe by Wednesday, we'll have a video we can drop talking about the players that have come through social media saying they're going to pull up you know in the discord we always drop names we drop people we drop all the information there it's where we hang out throughout the day so definitely pull up there 
Then we're going to wrap this bad boy up and let y'all have the rest of y'all's evening. Looking through the comments, just remember, yes, TJ, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this loud and proud. The way he's playing, if he wins this buckets because he's playing like the best linebacker in the country right now as it is, Danny out. Danny's throwing the deuces. He's definitely going pro because yeah. there's no reason not to. Like, why would you not go pro? As good as he's being, that's a first-round draft pick potential. That's, that is K-9, Kenneth Murray, top 15 draft potential because of his not only his IQ but his ability to execute on it. So, yeah, I think he can go round one, and I anticipate him getting up out of here on that point. Uh, somebody asked a question about Winiri. No. It's it just just you can suck on the hopium all you want when it comes to Winery. I do not believe in him coming until I see him show up and sign on the line, which is dotted. And I say that because when Okoye had committed, which unfortunately he didn't get to pull up for the show. We're working, we're trying to schedule now interview with him to come on here. So we'll have a video pulled up, or we may have him come on the live. So keep your eyes open on that. But he said, I think he said on like the sooner scoop one, he was like, he saw that when he left, decided not to come to Oklahoma. He's like, oh man, for real. Hmm. And he was like, hmm. And next thing you know, he went ahead and committed here. So I'm excited about Danny Okoye personally because yeah. Danny's going to be a beast. He's one of those players that a lot of scouts have said that they think he can develop into a monster. He has that, that capability. And if we get that out of him, folks, just. Yeah, be excited. And also, look at this one video real quick. Y'all know, y'all remember Rondell Balthroyd sacked Emory Jones while being held and did it all with one hand? And then it got waved off. Just, how do you get a sack with one hand? One hand, guys. And you're a grown-ass man. I remember when he sacked two people at once. When he was at at um, Wake Forest, and that to me said, "Yeah, that's a player I want on my team. Can I get two of them?" And we now have him. But yeah, as Coop mentioned, you know they take away everything from us because they're not us. But guess what? We're gonna get it back. Laulu got a sack. That's all that matters at this point, and so does Tussman. So we got no holding calls. We got nothing. But <clears throat> this is this right here. Look at this class. Stupid good. Stupid good. And Texas is putting something together too for them to go to the to the to the SEC. And let's let's wrap it up. I know somebody mentioned it. Eddie mentioned it a couple times. We got to talk about it. Hey man. Okie light. <laughs> hey man. Look, I saw oh I saw that Iowa State was a what were they? A like a three and a half point a four point favorite in this game at home. And I'm like, wait a minute. We know all the problems that's going on at Iowa State. How are they a four-point favorite in this game? Three and a half points at kickoff. How are they a favorite in this game? And then they went out there and beat Oklahoma State. Uh, Bowman threw it 48 times, so I guess he played quarterback the entire game. He did. So Bowman might be their number one guy. Threw two interceptions and wasn't very good. I I don't know what's going on. Iowa State is two and two. I don't know. That's crazy to me. But Coop, I, Oklahoma State lost to Iowa State. It's, it's and just look, I mean, you saw that the Arizona State team, which our boy 
gave up 28 points to. Um, you know, prior to that, that that outing versus Oklahoma State was the um, the most points they put up this season. That could be one of the worst teams in in college football. Um, Oklahoma State is just in shambles, and at this point, you just I mean, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, you got to hope that somehow they rally around their ineptitude, and that's that's where it's at. Um, they don't have quarterback play. They don't have offensive line play. They don't have running backs. Their wide receivers never seem to understand what's going on. They had a defense for one year in which we still scored 40 points on them. Um, yep. They had a defense for one year, and they have been riding that for a while now. It this this last bedlam, unfortunately, I mean for us, it's going to be kind of a, a fun walk off. But this last bedlam is is not going to be the game that we we've deserved as you know fans. It's going to be hard because it's a lose lose game for Oklahoma, kind of like this Iowa State, a twenty and a half point line. You go out, you kick the living shit out of them, then you did what you're supposed to do. If you go out and it's a close game, then it's not good, um, or God forbid, a loss. And so. It, those two are. I mean, it was a, it was a pillow fight uh, for the for the the bottom tier of the Big Twelve uh, this past week between those two, and yeah. I don't think either of those teams really deserve to win the game. I agree, and the good thing is is that th- somebody mentioned twenty seventeen to us, and yeah, that was when we were like number three in the country. They they lost to Texas the week before, and then beat us, which was like of course the weird year for the Sooners and but the good thing is they don't have a a David Montgomery this year like we ain't got to deal with no uh elite running back that goes to the pros and does okay but then doesn't do okay so I'm not overly concerned about that uh this year but as Seth mentioned here we're going to talk about another big 12 team oh did y'all notice that all the big the new members of the big 12 lost the last two weeks they all lost their first game in the big 12 That, my friends, is the introduction. That's how you introduce the teams to your new conference. Like, hey, guys, welcome to the Big 12. Hold this L. Yeah, here, hold this. And like I said, when TCU and um, West Virginia made it into the Big 12, I think that they went four and six their first year, and then they both won one or two games the second year. So this could even get worse for these guys next year. Um, And so we'll see. Now that's counting the people who are coming in next year, uh, the first slate, like Utah looks good still, um, you know, and I think that rising is close to coming back because they're still playing the backup quarterback. But, um, it, yeah, uh, when you have offensive leaders, number one passing quarterback in the Big 12, Dylan Gabriel, uh, Chandler Morris, Will Howard, Quinn Ewers, Keaton Slovis, uh, so BYU. So they got somebody in there. Um, but you don't see anything you see BYU is skirting by, but they're still, I mean, they're just not doing much. It's, it's, you're, you're seeing the traditional teams, um, show up and do, do the most and it's going to be tough. And especially with, uh, Reese Plumlee being hurt right now. And, um, you know, that team was already iffy at that point, but, um, if you're looking around the league, I mean, it's still Oklahoma and Texas. You got a little bit of a gap, and then maybe a Kansas, Kansas State. And then you got a little bit of a gap, and then it's who wants to be in that next tier. Yeah, that's true. That's, that, that's true. So we'll see what the Big 12 looks like. We'll talk about them more, of course, 
extend this a little bit more for y'all, but we appreciate y'all pulling up. I'm gonna wrap this bad boy up, put a bow on it. Uh, thank y'all for pulling up to the Sooner or Later Sports Show here on this beautiful Sunday, September 24th. If you want to win the tickets to this game on Saturday, please check out the community tab first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, it'll be early. I'm going to post a form that you can fill out that will allow you to uh, register to win those bad boys. And then I'm going to pick a lucky winner. You'll get two tickets to the game. You'll get two tickets um, to the champions tailgate as well as one to uh parking pass. Also, make sure you follow us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at unfair sports. Follow Coop, Coop Ride 1982. Follow him on Twitter as well. Show some love. Pull up. I like I said, if my schedule permits, I'm gonna pull up at the game. I'm gonna buy some tickets to show up. And um, maybe I'll be at the tailgate. We'll see what happens. But besides that. Hit the like button if you're new to the channel. Subscribe. Welcome all the new subscribers. Welcome to the family. We drop a lot of content around OU as well as college football in general. And with that, we will chop it up with all of you in a couple of days. Keep your eyes out for videos and the community post. Peace.